Hi movie fans, welcome to 5 Reasons to Watch. In this podcast, we're going to look at all things Suicide Squad. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, unless you've not left the house or read any piece of literature, anything, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you would have heard about Suicide Squad, but you may have heard contradicting things. Some people absolutely hate this movie. Some people absolutely love this movie. Some people hate most of it but love bits. Some people love bits but hate. This movie has divided opinions like no other in probably the past 10 years, I would say. It's it's just been this real... It Okay, let's just get into it. Let's get into it. People either love it or hate it, but they really seem to love it or hate it. And a lot of critics hated this movie. Now, what are the reasons for this? Well, okay, maybe they just really hate the movie. But I suspect and feel, after Batman vs Superman, after all the hype, the excitement, and the film didn't live up to the hype or excitement, for whatever reasons that may be. And then we get these Suicide Squad trailers that look incredible. And the movie isn't really like the trailers. The trailers kind of, the marketing people did a great job. Um, but it, it, the trailers aren't the same tone as the movie. And I think critics, I feel like critics have, have taken aim at that. I mean, like, you promised us this movie and it's not this movie. I also think that critics are, they're giving Marvel a little bit of leeway. I don't want to start any DC Marvel beef, but I feel like Marvel, to their credit, have been pumping out some great movies from the first Iron Man to um, Civil War, which Civil War is a great movie. They've they've really they've really been able to to raise the bar. You exclude the Nolan Batmans because they're they're their own entity, they're their own thing. But before Nolan um, movies, uh, possibly the Burton movies, Tim Burton movies, Batman's are accepted as well. But kind of after the Burton movies and towards the Nolan movies, a, a lot of the comic book movies weren't great. Uh, and then Marvel come along and have this great idea. They've got phase one, phase two, phase three. They've got it all worked out. And this is, again, why I think DC have uh, let themselves down a little bit. You think to yourself, if you've seen um, Civil War this year, you look at their characters. Look at how many movies they've been in before, before Civil War. So you take Civil War, Iron Man. Well, there's been three Iron Man movies. There's been an Avenger movie, so that's at least four or five. Uh, and then plus cameos. Captain America, well, you know, he's been in the Avengers movie. He's Captain uh, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier. Uh, you think Thor, Thor, they're going to make a third Thor movie. So he's been at least three. You go through all the characters, Ant-Man, um, and you just think to yourself, look at Civil War, how many new characters are just new and fresh? And it's probably just Black Panther, and I guess technically if you count, the new Spider-Man, the new reincarnation of Spider-Man. So they've built this universe, they've built these characters, they've taken time to say, right, we're going to give you backstory, you're going to go on a journey with them. You take in consideration Suicide Squad, and you go through the list of characters, and apart from the Joker and um, Batman, there isn't, there's never been a Harley Quinn movie. There's never been a Deadshot movie. You can't, you can't just rely on the comic book fans to, to get you through your movies. You've got to think of the casual comic book reader or just comic book film kind of visitor. It, it's, it's, it's so difficult. You get a two-hour movie. Some of the movie is just going to be, oh, okay, this is backstory. And I'll get more into this as we go along. But that's one of the issues with the film. Anybody, I think, whether they love it or hate it, they think, okay, great, you know, we've got these characters, we've got this backstory, we just don't get enough backstory. And not everybody gets a backstory. So you're thinking, okay, I'm with this squad, but I don't know enough about these characters, they're not quite fleshed out. You can't say, well, you know Harley Quinn from the, from the cartoons, from the animated series. For anyone that doesn't know, Harley Quinn was, was, was birthed. Um, created by the uh, the animated series guys in, I think it was 92, 93. The first ever episode being uh, Joker's Favour. And, uh, yeah, so she's not really a part of, of the comic book history. 
as it was. Uh, she just comes in in the early 90s. But we just don't know enough. And does it give you... It does give you the, it does give you enough in the film. But Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, we don't know enough about. Paul Slipknot, which we'll talk about in a second, is just isn't treated fairly. So I think critics have come at it like too many characters, not enough backstory. And I think whether you love this film or hate this film, there isn't an well, there isn't really an argument. Some of these characters just aren't fleshed out enough. So before even reviewing the film, I feel like critics are thinking, well, look what Marvel do. Look what Marvel do. And look what you do, DC. And Marvel movies follow the same kind of structure all the time. And I'm not I'm nothing against the Marvel movies, you know. Some of them are cracking. I think some of them have a, a same issue as, as Suicide Squad, is that the villains just aren't good enough. And, and where are the stakes? And I think for Marvel that gets ignored, but I, a lot of the critics I've been reading have been like, the villain's not as good. Whoa, why have you given us this bad villain? Whoa. But then you look at Age of Ultron and you think, well, look at that Ultron army. You know, look at some of the Thor um, villains, apart from Loki, of course. So I feel like DC do get criticised more, at least uh, Man of Steel villain. No, Man of Steel villain was okay. Um... But Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad, people have been like, the villain wasn't good enough. Who's Doomsday? Look at Doomsday. It doesn't look... Not who's Doomsday. We all know who Doomsday is. But look at the way you're treating him. He's a legendary comic book character. Look at the way you're treating him. Look at the way you treat Lex Luthor. Look at the way you're treating, you know, the Suicide Squad villain and Tantris, which we'll get into. Um, So I feel like the critics have been super harsh. It's got 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not an ideal. There's a film called The Room. It's one of the worst movies ever made. That's got 33%. That is less than Batman vs. Uh, that's more than Batman vs. Superman, which I think is maybe on about 30 now. Uh, but Suicide's got it 26. Go watch The Room. Not Room with Brie Larson. That was a great movie. The Room. It, it, it's dreadful. And to say this is anywhere, Suicide Squad's anywhere near in that league, or even Batman vs. Superman, is atrocious. It's appalling. So. Rotten Tomatoes, gauge it how you want, but that is, watch the room, it's dreadful. Um, right, sorry for rambling, I'm going to get into the review now. Spoilers, spoiler alerts, lots of spoilers. I'm going to go through the beats. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to do the work for you, so you're welcome. Seen the movie three times now, um, and I'm going to go through the beats. We're, we're going to rip this movie to shreds, but we're going to, we're going to look at why people may hate it, but people, why people love it or love certain aspects of it and why the criticism, some of the criticism is completely unfounded. And, you know, 26% on Rotten Tomatoes is, is a terrible score. For those of you who don't know, it's a score, like they look at critic reviews, um, critical reviews, and uh, kind of user scores as well and, and try and get an aggregate scoring. Um, and people are bit like, well, it's 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, it must be awful. Financially, this movie's doing sound work. Less, it's been out for less than a week. It's on 300 million worldwide. The budget for it was, if you include marketing, probably 200 million. So it's made its money back. Warner Brothers are probably hoping for about 700 to 800 million. Will it get there? Don't know. We'll see. Um, but it's no flop by any stretch of imagination. Right. We're going to get to it. We're going to go into the review. We're going to break this down. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers alert. Lots of spoilers. So we start off the movie. We get these new pinky, greeny kind of different logos for the Warner Brothers sign and for the DC Comics. So this this movie's telling you this movie's going to be different. It's going to be, you know, it's a movie about bad guys, the worst heroes ever. So they start off, they go straight into it. And you're into it, you know. It's only a few seconds into the movie. Uh, but it's telling you it's going to be it's going to be something different. And the thing that strikes you straight away with the start of the movie is uh, their use of popular culture tracks. So we, we, we open up and we've got a shot of the, the prison they're staying in, the hole. If you've seen the trailers, um, what is it, Amanda Waller says, just say, I put them in a hole and the hole disappeared. So we get the House of the Rising sung by the animals. It's the first thing that strikes you. It's going to be full of music. And um, they play that music, we see the prison, and it's an introduction, essentially, to Deadshot. Uh, we see Deadshot with the prison guard, Griggs, who uh, is kind of this mean-talking, generic stereotype of a prison guard. It's like, ha-ha, eat this biscuit, Deadshot. 
and Will Smith, who's great as Deadshot, is in prison uh, and he's, you know, what's in this biscuit? And it's like rat poo and all kinds of awfulness. So Deadshot says, one day I'm going to get you. I'm going to I'm gonna kill you. And uh, the prison guard opens up and they beat up Deadshot. So we're getting across that, you know, Deadshot's in this prison. Obviously he doesn't want to be there. We've got Griggs, this prison guard, who's a bit of a hard ass, who's, who's going to, you know, beat people up for fun. And, you know, so far so good. Then that scene ends and we get another song playing. So this is You Don't Own Me. You would have seen it from the trailers. And we get to meet Harley Quinn. She's doing some aerial on the top of a prison cell, her prison cells, kind of in the middle of this warehouse, whereas Will Smith's Deadshot um, prison cell is kind of a you know, four by four, what you'd expect kind of dungeon cell. But Harley Quinn's is in this in this kind of uh, cell in the middle of a warehouse. So I don't know if that's so, just so they can get her having these aerial shots. Because they're all extreme prisoners. I think it's just so we can see this beautiful shot of Mago Robbie as Harley Quinn. Mago Robbie's fantastic in this movie. I think she should get an Oscar. If we look at Les Mis a few years ago... Anne Hathaway was in the movie 20 Minutes and got the Oscar for Best Sporting Actor. I don't see why Margot Robbie shouldn't get it. She nails Harley Quinn, the voice, uh, the persona, the, the the kind of the psychopath, the slipping in and out of focus, eyes glaze over at times, just raw emotion, real emotion. I'll tell you more as we go through the movie, but Margot Robbie's great. So already we get a sense this movie's going to be different. And at the moment, we've got a, a scene, an introduction to a character, bam, a song. New scene, bam, a new song. Um, and again, it's Griggs, our prison guard, who comes up to Harley Quinn, you know, tells us she's crazy, as if we didn't already know. Just kind of, it's kind of, with the music, so far we get Deadshot and Harley Quinn, and with the music, and it's a bit kind of, there is no subtlety, you know. Um, Harley Quinn is obviously, if you don't know, Spoiler alert, as I've said before, spoilers. So no more spoilers alert. Stop listening if you don't see the movie. But go and see the movie, whether you want to or not. Um, with with Harley Quinn, it's uh, is a Joker's girlfriend. She's the Joker's girlfriend. And she's madly in love with the Joker. We'll tell you why, because the film explains it. Um, but in the, in the cartoons and in the comic books, after she was created in the animated show... He never really shows her love, but she would do anything for him. And this song is a little bit like You Don't Own Me um, by Leslie Gore. As we start the scene, it's just like, okay, look, Harley Quinn is not a toy and you, no one owns her. And it's just a bit no sort of thing. Anyway, Griggs gives her a hard time, beats her up, electrocutes her. And yeah, that is, that's our intro. All we get is Harley Quinn dead shot and then bam, we move away from the prison. We get a new song, we get Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, and we get an introduction to Amanda Waller. So Amanda Waller is this hard nut. She's putting together this suicide squad. She believes with the metahumans, so metahumans might be Superman, the Flash, any human with special powers. And she wants to put together Task Force X suicide squad. And basically... If, for example, any metahumans like Superman or whoever came to Earth and did some trouble, she could send in a squad of people to take care of it. Now, I don't know why she's got to keep this a secret. If on planet, in if the real world, if there was these um, criminally insane people that might be able to take on, you know, aliens that have attacked Earth, I'm not sure how much would be against it. Would we want our uh, soldiers to go and do it? Or would we want prisoners who might be able to do some good? Obviously, the downside is if we did have aliens come to Earth and we let out psychopaths and killers and they just ran away, then they maybe wouldn't feel so good. However, uh, as, as we'll talk about later on in the film, but I'll just tell you now, it's a whole spoiler episode, is she, she puts these, like, electronic tags in, a, like a, a little grain of rice, they call it, a little bomb in the neck, and if the Suicide Squad run off, then she will, she'll blow them up. Um, and so, so far, so good. However, 
once Amanda Waller is trying to explain to some army officers about her plan, she then gives us an introduction to these characters. And this is where some of the editing isn't great in this movie. So we've started the movie. We've been introduced to Deadshot and Harley Quinn. We meet Amanda Waller, who's this task force-esque. I'm want to assemble the Suicide Squad. So now we're going to have another introduction to Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Now, I'm not against it, but as in the flow of a movie, you've introduced me to two people. Why bother? Why not just start the movie with Amanda Waller? And it's just a, a, an even choice, and it kind of stops the flow of the movie. If you're not interested in movie making, then, then you probably might not even notice it, but for someone... I watch a lot of movies... Um, it might be something you wouldn't have noticed. Maybe you'll notice now. I apologise to you now. But it just, it's a little bit unsense, and I think that's why some people think the editing's a bit choppy. That's one of the critical things. I didn't mind it, because Harley Quinn and Deadshot, Will Smith, Margot Robbie, are fantastic. So, yeah, Deadshot and Harley um, Quinn. Harley Quinn are fantastic, so we don't mind seeing them. But I can understand why some of the critics may have thought, okay, this is a really strange editing choice. So, Amanda Waller... Okay, she's going to introduce the characters for us, which is great. So we meet Deadshot. Now, this is this is what's confusing me. It's making me think, right, why have they introduced me to Harley Quinn and Deadshot already? Oh, maybe to give Griggs, the prison guard, he's going to have a story. He's going to be one of our characters. Uh, you'll find out later that's not the case. But um, Amanda Waller pulls out this file and it's, okay, look, this is Deadshot. And then she's going to say, this is Harley Quinn. So they do a Deadshot story. It's Deadshot with his child. And he's, um, if you don't know Deadshot, he's one of the best assassins in the world. He's never missed a shot, apparently. And he's out with his kid, his daughter. Uh, Will Smith, a Deadshot, is split up um, with uh, the, the the daughter's mother. And the, the kid's having a hard time. She's like, look, I've got to look after mum. Will you come home? Can we sort this out? Deadshot's like, well, it's a bit more complicated than that. That I know where Batman comes. Great cameo. Lovely, lovely um, cameo from, from Ben Affleck. Uh, and he takes down Deadshot. And he's, he's like, okay, Deadshot, I don't want to do this in front of your girlfriend, um, your daughter. Just, you know, give it up. Deadshot's like, no, they have a bit of a rumble. He's about to shoot Batman in the face. The daughter steps in the way. And he's like, no, don't do it, Daddy. And then right there, this is an issue I have with it. How great would it have been to see Ben Affleck, Will Smith, do a Batman solo movie with Deadshot? So then we wouldn't need this introduction in Suicide Squad, but they just work so well together. It's only a short scene, and we're, we're already interested in Deadshot. We want to see more, and it's just a really great introduction. And, and this is one of the great things about the movie. This scene is a great thing in this movie because we get to see Deadshot and Batman at it. We care about Deadshot. We can, we can, you know, he's a bad guy. We get that. But who doesn't love a loving father? And um, we see Batman bring out his cuffs, which is a really nice touch, because he's like, look, he doesn't always have to smash people's faces in. He can, you know, he can do the right thing. He's an outlaw. He's a vigilante. But he can also play by the rules. So it's a really nice shot. But you just think, oh, my God, why can't we see two hours of this? Why can't we universe build like Marvel do, and, and, and see this great movie. Um, but so far, so apart from this choppy editing that we'll keep referring back to, I'm sold on this movie. I'm like, yes, I'm coming again. I, I mean, I've seen the movie three times, so obviously I came again. But anyway, you're thinking, right, this is great. So, but the choppy editing is an, is an issue. Uh, so we go from that, that's introduction. Amanda Wallace says, this is Harley Quinn. We get an introduction to Harley Quinn. And we get to meet Jared Leto's... Um, Joker for the first time. Ah, oh, this is... Okay, so the Joker's not in it a great deal. Uh, maybe eight minutes of screen time. That's disappointing. People, obviously, compared to Heath Ledger, for me, Heath Ledger will always be the number one Joker. Love Jack Nicholson. Love uh, Cesar Romario. Romario? Romeo? Um, from the 1966 uh, Batman series. Jad's Joker's different because... He's like a mob boss. I'm not a big fan of that. He he wouldn't ha his character wouldn't have to be the Joker if Harley Quinn wasn't in the movie. It's like the Joker's in the movie to explain why Harley Quinn's a nutcase. Uh, or sorry, that's a little bit offensive. Has mental health issues. Um, 
And he, I mean, apart from the Harley Quinn story, he could be like Falcone. He could be any generic mob boss. He could be Scarface. Scarface wasn't a generic mob, uh, mob boss, but he doesn't have to be the joke. He doesn't really have to be there. And he's not the clown prince. He's just, he's a mob boss with, with, with face paint on. So I don't think it's fair to judge Jadlet on this, but I'm not sold on the character being a gangster. Heath Ledger's Joker was kind of rough and ready, but was his own person and wasn't a mob boss and you couldn't fit him anywhere and hated the mob, but then loved the mob. And then he was all over the place. This just feels like a generic mob boss that I think is better than the Joker. So we get a nice introduction. We see them in therapy. We see the Joker getting into Harley Quinn's mind. We see the Joker escaping from Arkham, which is which is good to see. But then we'd rather see that movie. Why can't I see that? Why can't there be a standalone Joker Harley Quinn movie? Uh, there's a comic book series and there was a cartoon called Mad Love that really dissected that. Why can't we have that as a film? Why are we rushing, DC? Why are we rushing? But it's great to see the Joker and Harley Quinn on you know film so that but you can see why the critics may be like well why is Jad Leto only for a little bit why are we rushing through this uh we see Jad Leto um and Harley Quinn get out of Arkham and then there uh Joker's in this club Common who is a really good actor actually um a good rapper he comes into the Joker's office and won't shake hands with the Joker because the Joker doesn't shake hands, apparently. Um, Common's like, well, you know, I like your girl. She's a she's a, she's a bad bitch, a bit offensive. Um, and Joker's like, oh, you like her? You can have her. She's she's your property. And Harley Quinn's down with that for some reason. And Common's like, no out of respect for you. I'm not going to do this. He doesn't say, he doesn't use these words. I'm paraphrasing. And the Joker kills him for having respect for him. So it's a little bit, okay, I don't quite get that. If Harley Quinn loves you, Joker, and you love her, which is against the cartoon, but let's move on, and you want to give her away for the night or give her away forever, or is it a test? It doesn't make sense. It's, again, something the critics have pointed the fingers at of, of one of the problems with this movie. Um, so we meet the Joker. We meet Captain Boomerang, 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 who's played by... Um, Jai Courtney, who gets a lot of stick. He was great in Unbroken, if you, if you want to go and see that. You should see that. Um, and it's basically, he's an Australian bank robber who's robbed all the banks in Australia, uh, comes over to America to rob banks, and he gets captured by The Flash. So the new Flash from the Justice League series, which is a really cool cameo. Again, really, really exciting. Really one of the great things about this movie, it's bringing the universe together. We're seeing all your favourite characters from comic books together but in such a small spurt that it feels like, is this a gimmick? I love it, but I can see why some of the critics um, went in hard about that. We meet Diablo, um, he can control fire. We see a little bit about him, a little bit of backstory. Killer Croc, a little bit of backstory. And um, now, now we get to meet Entantris, who's going to be our villain. And... Uh, this is, again, something the critics have gone about. Something that maybe isn't great about this movie is the Entantris is this uh, magical spirit who gets kind of trapped in this archaeologist, in this in this doctor, explorer, and is gonna, can take control of her form. And it's just really weird because you, you get this flashback of um, June, who's the doctor, who's, who's controlled by Entantris, goes into this cave, opens this kind of like a like a little statue and the Entantris takes over her body but then can kind of come in and out like the doctor can't control it but then they I don't know it's, it's, it all gets very weird this is where the film gets weird and the Entantris has a heart but she keeps the heart in the cave but then people need to go and get the heart anyway it turns out I'm like, it's very confusing you have to watch it this is where the film uh, some people might start to check out You've got this magical witch who's inside of a doctor, played by Carla Delevingne, who it's... I don't think she's got much to work with, and I don't think it helps in her performance. The critics have savaged her. I'm not going to do that because I'm a nice guy. Um, but I'm not sure it's her fault. I think it's the character. 
and just trying to put it in a sentence what the character is and, and what the character brings to this story is confusing because Amanda Waller, who's our, you know, our hard-ass, um, no-nonsense, task force, ex-suicide squad builder, has her heart for some reason. But I don't understand why she didn't have a heart in the first place. This is the intention. So it all gets confusing. Anyway, one of the reasons why the film, you know, isn't fantastic is because it, it's a little bit confusing, this film. Anyway, that's the squad. So what we see is we've seen Amanda Waller trying to sell the idea of Task Force X, a suicide squad, to get together to take on anyone who might not be as friendly as Superman. So obviously someone's got to take care, got to keep an eye on these, these villains who are going to be running around, hopefully saving the world one day. So we get introduced to Rick Flagg. Uh, Joe Kinnaman, good performance for him, enjoyed it. Um, he's Rick Flagg, he's this, the best American soldier there is, like, you know, just incredible. And he's going to keep an eye on our suicide squad. So, so far, we've had Amanda Waller in a restaurant introducing us. Well, in, we've already been introduced to Harley Quinn and Deadshot, but we're just going to get reintroduced to Harley Quinn and Deadshot. Plus, most of the rest of the suicide squad and Rick Flagg. So we know where we stand. So we've just had 10, 15 minutes of some great footage, some some great shots, great directed from greatly great directed some some really good, uh, beautiful scenes from David Ayer, the director. And now we're going to follow Amanda Waller to the Pentagon to sell the idea again. So thankfully there aren't that many introductions, but it's it's just a little bit. Could we not have done this together? So so far we've met Deadshot and Harley Quinn. We've met Amanda Waller. We met Deadshot and Harley Quinn again. We've 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 heard why Project X is going to be a good thing. Now we're going to listen to why it's a good thing again. So a little bit strange, choppy editing. Um, we have a great shot. So we get to meet the Doctor June, who is um, who is actually going out with Rick Flag. We should say that. So the Entantris is going to be on Suicide Squad's side because Amanda Waller has her heart. Just yeah, I'm not going to try and explain it again. Rick Flagg is going to stick with the Suicide Squad and babysit them, essentially, because he's in love with the Enchantress, with Jane. Um, so Amanda Waller's saying, right, look, buy this Project X. It'll be great. Everyone's like, nah, you're all right. So she says, well, this witch has magical powers. So the Dr. Jane, uh, Carla Devine's character, doesn't like changing into the Enchantress because she has no control and this witch is a witch. Who would want to turn into a witch? Why would you? And... Um, so, essentially, uh, the witch is sent to, I think it's a fictional country, let's just say sent to, sent to England to go into the, the army vaults and steal some secret weapons and some secret documentation. And she does that. And then everyone's like, great, yeah, sold. Count me in. Let's have a suicide squad. Because the, the witch stole some secret information from the country. It wasn't England, but I can't remember where they said it was from. There is an absolutely incredible scene where Carla Devine's about to turn into the witch and she whispers, Entantress. And what you see is a shot. It's Carla Devine's hand. And from out of nowhere, this black hand kind of holds hand in a, in a, in a grasping and then it flips over and turns into the witch's hand. That's worth the admission fee alone. That looks great. What a great way to show um, Carla Devine turning into the witch, the Entantress. Great shot. Um, so yeah, we have Project X, we have Project X, and now the movie can really start. So we go back to the prison and meet Deadshot again, and that's where you see the line from the trailers, if you've seen the trailer, what is this, cheerleading tryouts. So we meet Grig again, uh, Grig's like, oh, what are you doing, why, why have you let Deadshot free? They want to see Deadshot, see what he can do, um... So they have loads of guns laid out for him and some targets to hit. Uh, I won't go through the whole of the scene. It's a great scene. Great piece of music. I think it's Kanye West's uh, Black Skinhead song. And the song is called Black Skinhead. Um, and that's an earned mu music moment. So, so far, it kind of could feel like a bit of a music video. Um, but this was an earned music moment, which is great. So we're basically now going to go through the squad again. 
and see their skills and see why they should be hired. So we're a little bit jumpy. We, we've seen the crew, we've seen Amanda Waller selling the idea of Task Force X Suicide Squad. Then we see her do it again, and now we're meeting the squad again, and still nothing's really happening. It's just a lot of, it's a lot of backstory. It's a lot of backstory skills and why you're going to sit in for the rest of the movie. So it can be a bit confusing. Um, so we meet uh, Will Smith again. Then we meet Diablo. Um, Diablo controls fire. Uh, we hear about him. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be anyone's weapon. He doesn't want to be a part of the Suicide Squad. Uh, one of the annoying things about this movie is everyone seems to have this Sam, Samsung iPad. It's a, obviously a commercial tie-in. And just Amanda Waller and Rick Flagg just always have one, ready to show some footage. And it's basically footage of um, Diablo burning up a, a prison yard. And uh, that's why he doesn't want to use his flame anymore. He's a metahuman, he has fire. And he, yeah, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be a bad guy. And uh, we find out why later on in the film. Uh, and we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, everyone, everyone gets a scene or the Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, we, we get to see their skills and why they would be doing it. Um, yeah, Will Smith is great in it as Deadshot. Some cracking lines comes out with. And it just, at the moment, probably like me sounding now, it's, it's just a little bit repetitive. We've not, it's not been clear through line story just yet. We seem to be just, we seem to have got stuck but with some cool shots, that's what's frustrating about this movie. We've got some cool shots, we've got some cool character interaction. But as far as the story through line goes, we're not kind of getting anywhere just yet. Um, a bit like me, trying to get through this. Um, so, yeah. Um, one of the things is about how some of the characters talk about women. So Will Smith says, look, this is my price. Um, if I'm going to do this for you, if I'm going to join the Suicide Squad... This is what you need to do for me. And he talks about his daughter and how much he loves his daughter. Um, but then he he just he just says to Amanda Waller, that's my price, um, darling, or sweetie. And it's just a little bit sexist. And for a man who would do anything for his daughter, for a man who could have killed the Batman but didn't for his daughter, you think he might have a bit more respect for him. And there is a little bit about this within the movie of how how the movie kind of looks at women and treats women. And it's just a little bit, uh, dude. Does this is this vital to the story? Is this necessary? Could would the film lose anything without some of these lines of dialogue? Uh, the answer is no. Um, so we meet the Joker again, and we see the Joker pining over Harley Quinn again. I've said how the original cartoon, the original Harley Quinn story is. The Joker really doesn't care for her, but we see a vulnerable side to the Joker which I'm not sure about. So he's like mafia boss, vulnerable for love Joker. And I'm not sure how I feel about that just yet. We get this lovely tableau of him surrounded by knives and guns and there's some baby outfits and mobile phones. And it's a lovely image. Um, it just looks great. But I'm just thinking, well, how does he have time? He's put on like a thousand knives. He's made this tremendous circle. And it's like, well, why has he got time to do that? Uh, but he's pining over Harley Quinn. I don't, I'm not sure I feel about that. Uh, we meet Griggs again, which is great. Uh, and he's gambling. He's got a gambling debt. He's in a lot of trouble, obviously. But now we know why we've met Grigg. Uh, we know why we're on this journey with him as well. He's going to play a big part. And he kisses Jad Leto, Jad Leto's ring, his, his ring on his hand. And again, it's all very mafia boss and it's just not, a Joker I can relate to that I've read in the comics. This clown prince who who doesn't need to pretend to be this mafia boss. He demands respect because he can do anything and will do anything. And it's just that it feels a little bit forced. Not from Jad, but just from the idea. Um, and then we, we kind of cut back and we've gone to Rick Flagg now, who's no longer at the the, the with the with the Suicide Squad people. And he's with Jane, the Doctor, who's also in Tantris. And there's a bit of a dream sequence where a, tent um, 
Entantris is gonna um, is gonna go and try and get a heart off Amanda Waller. And for some reason, in this dream sequence, Jane, the Doctor's dying, and she's half naked. And I don't know why she's half naked, but she's in a Brighton pants, and it just feels all a bit seedy. It feels like we're getting a bit seedy already, and it's a bit unnecessary. Yeah, so one thing some of the critics have been saying is about how this movie treats women, and I can see why, because there's just a few unnecessary lines. Um, and then, yeah, this is essentially where the movie, people check out, and kind of where the movie goes wrong in, in opinions, is the Ententress now, that's it, she's had enough, she's going to go with her brother, she's found her brother at Amanda Waller's place, she's gone to get a heart, she can't get a heart, it's in this box that must sense the Ententress and it's going to explode and if her heart goes, she goes and she dies. But then she finds a brother and then her and her brother go to this subway station in Midtown and they, they, her brother is a spirit and he goes into this man and it all just gets a bit weird because it's a, it's a terrible villain for a movie about fantastic villains and they deserve better. This weird CGI man becomes her brother it's it's really hard to describe, but it looks terrible. <laughs> it, it just looks really bad. And they talk about how they used to be gods, but now humans only worship machines. And they're going to do something at the subway. They're going to build a machine. It doesn't tell you what machine it is, but it's just bad news for the humans. So it's it's this is all a bit confusing and all a bit... Just yeah, you know, what we've have we not learnt from other superhero movies? And this is the only thing that I don't like about this movie is this particular scene and this idea of this villain. When we all want it to be the Joker, why is it not the Joker? Because that's going to be the the villain for Suicide Squad too. Well, you know, we deserve better. The movie does. Everyone, everyone apart, this movie deserves better, including David Ayer. I know David Ayer wrote the script. But he's great, and I feel like, I don't know, there's something not quite right. Maybe it wasn't his choice. Maybe it's been, you know, things have been changed, or the editing. I don't know what it is, but this villain isn't working well. So they've taken over this subway, they destroy a train, and then they're going to build some weird machine in the sky, and they need to power up a little bit, and then they're going to destroy the Earth. So... Would you believe the look? Suicides, the Suicide Squad Task Force X has been assembled not a day ago, and you know what? They're needed. What are the chances, eh? What are the chances? Thank heavens Amanda Wall has been about. So they get given a go. Um, at the same time, Griggs is with the Joker. He's kissed his ring, and Griggs is in trouble. Uh, the Joker's given him a phone and said, you know, take this to Harley Quinn. Um, so when they're assembling Task Force X, Griggs gives it to Harley Quinn, and Harley Quinn's like, <laughs> you're screwed now. And we never find out what happens. We've been introduced to Grigg. He's important. He's annoyed the whole of the Suicide Squad. He's got dealings with the Joker. He's a bad guy. He's, he's a good character. We're engaged now. We never see him again. We never know why he's screwed. What's he done? He's given Harley Quinn the phone. Yeah, he's been a douche to everybody. But, uh, so, I mean, that's disappointing that his character has just been wasted. Um, so, yeah, it's all good. We all assemble. And, um, again, there's just more Samsung iPad action, um, which is great. You know, we don't know why we've all got them. Um, and then Rick Flagg now gets together with with Jane and the Entantress and they've got a plan to to destroy the brother and, and get rid of this before the Suicide Squad actually, you know, get let free into the city centre. Oh, but then, you know, she runs away from Rick and then the brother shares her power. And it doesn't make sense. Why was the ha why was Amanda Waller why was she in control of the Entantress? 
because she had his heart, but then she can just share power with the brother. It makes no sense. And they're going to be the machine to destroy the earth. But we don't know what this is. So there are no stakes at the minute. There are no stakes. We don't care. We don't care. We know the world's not going to end. We've, we've seen this in other movies, but there is nothing. Um, so anyway, thankfully now, the squad's, we move on. The squad's going to get together. The team's going to be assembled. Um, and there's some just great shots of Harley Quinn hearing voices. You would have seen you would have seen a lot of the good stuff in the trailer. Um, Captain Broomerang arrives, and then out of nowhere, Slipknot comes. Slipknot appears. He didn't get a backstory. He's just here, last minute arrival. And you know, uh, there's a there's a wonderful scene between Rick Flag and Will Smith, Deadshot. And you you may have seen it in the trailers. It's you try to run, you die. You try to vex me. You die, and Harley Quinn pops up with a, with just a great. Their interactions great. We don't see enough of the squad and Rick Flag interact, and she's like, "I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just saying. I'm for warning." And um, Will Smith's just like, "Look, your pep talks are terrible." Phil Jackson, Triangle Bitch. Some great dialogue, some great interaction between the characters, but we don't see that enough. And probably one thing the critics have been, you know, had a go at is just not enough interaction. Let the squad be together. Let them breathe. And then we'll have fun. And we'll see these characters interacting. So they get dressed up um, to Eminem's... Uh, what is it? Because it feels so empty without me. Without me. And is that moment earned? Not sure. But ten seconds before when the squad's together, there's a Seven Nation Army song by um, the White Stripes. And it's just a bit... The music's a bit choppy. So we'll go ten minutes without a pop song... Then we'll get two on the bounce, and it's just there's a bit of an uneven, an uneven kind of editing, and just an uneven, uneven use of of film techniques that were a bit like, oh, is this this? And it, you feel like it's just been there's been three or four different editors who like this but don't like and like this, and it's just it's all a bit confusing. Um, so Deadshot gets his masks and his guns, Boomerang gets his boomerangs, everyone gets to button their gear, and. We see a scene where Harley Quinn gets dressed up. Um, we see her jumpsuit, which is good, her big um, Harley Quinn jumpsuit, which is a really nice touch, dead shot masks. For the comic book fans, you're like, yes, this is. I've waited years to see this on film. This is great. We're finally cooking. We've had our ups and downs to this point, but we're looking good. Harley Quinn uh, puts on her little hot pants and pulls down her T-shirt. And the whole area just stops and perves on her. And it's, again, questions of, do we need this in this movie? We've had a few derogatory lines. We've seen Carla Devine in her pants. Now we're seeing Harley Quinn in her pants. And you know what? To some respect, in real life, if Margot Robbie was getting dressed in the middle of the street, people would stop and stare. Not everybody, but people would stop and stare. And it's just a bit like, oh, okay, we get it. She's sexy. Do we need this? Well, we're going to use a few seconds of films. And I can see why critics would hate that. I don't mind it. Margot Robbie's fantastic. I love Harley Quinn. I love to, to get to see the costume. But rather than get to see her in a costume, it's a bit like, okay, we're getting to see a midriff and her bum. And it's not going to be the first or the last time. So we can see why. Anyway, Waller pops up again on this iPad. Everyone's got these Samsung iPads. And obviously, you know, Samsung have probably kicked in a few million for the privilege. But it's just like, oh, stop showing me these iPads. Stop, please. You're taking me out of the movie. Um, so they're getting an airplane. They're going to head down to Midtown. What they think is happening. They think there's been a terrorist attack. And we get another story. Katana. Katana appears. So Slipknot and Katana have just appeared. Just appeared out of nowhere. Katana gets a backstory. Uh, we find out she's a samurai ninja who kills bad guys. So she's on Rick Flagg's side. So Rick Flagg has has a you know his own person there, um, but yeah, Slipknot's not got this backstory. So now we've we've got tons of characters that just aren't fleshed out, and unfortunately, Slipknot doesn't get any backstory, and Katana gets a little bit of backstory, but just not quite f- um, fleshed out. And I think one of the things is um, some critics have disguised uh, described the film as bloated, too many characters. And you start to see it when you think, okay, so we've got Slipknot. Oh, Katana's here now. Oh, we've not seen much Killer Croc yet. I hope it. Oh, Captain Boomerang, that's nice. Deadshot Harley, I want to see more of them. Oh, I want to see more Ric Flair. 
and it's just all a bit confusing. Ah, so they're in the helicopter. We see them get briefed. Uh, there's dirty bombs. There's terrorists with guns shooting people. A bit close to home, but obviously that's the world we live in, so not a problem with that. But then we get a helicopter crash. So the squad, <laughs> the squad is in there in the helicopter, and it crashes. Gets shot down by bullets, but we never see the bad guys shoot bullets. They they're like these have these other weapons. So it's a bit strange, but no one gets injured, no one gets a bruise, everyone's fine, helicopter crashes, no one dies. Uh, they get up, um, they're all fine. We hear Captain Boomerang say to Slipknot, look, these whole bomb in the neck things are a joke. I think we should bail. Slipknot's like, yeah, let's do it. Slipknot flies off and Rick Flag blows his head off and that's it for Slipknot. His only input into this movie is to show us that Rick Flagg is prepared to prepared to blow the head off. and But it doesn't matter because we don't know the character. We're not like, oh no, this could happen to Harley or Deadshot. This is, there are stakes now. It's you killed the only character that's been in it two minutes. So, again, one of the things a bit disappointing with the film. We have some great Deadshot and Harley Quinn chemistry. They're walking through the city, they're fighting. Wonderful line. Um, Deadshot's like, okay, um, we need to bail at some point. Your friend will help us. And Harley Quinn's like, you're my friend too. And it's really sweet. And there's this chemistry, this underlying chemistry um, between Deadshot and Harley Quinn, which has been found in some of the comics, which I, I think is really good. Deadshot's got this plan. It's like, you know, once the numbers are down, we'll take everyone out and we'll be able to run away. Uh, so they walk through the city, obviously there's planes, there's cars, destructions, everything's gone wrong in the city, it does look like a terrorist attack. Then we meet these villains, and they're like the Entantress and her brother's villains, like minions. So they take a real person, like you or me, and turn them into this, like, bobblehead. Like, it's really odd, it's like this, imagine, imagine someone's head is just a ball of, like, black goo and it's got bobbles on. It's really strange and a really odd choice. And you don't care. Like, uh, there's a a brilliant gunfight. Deadshot is incredible. He has this really great action scene where he stands on a car, it's like, but he's a real badass, and you think, yes, this is what you want from a comic book movie. Uh, And they, they, you know... You see this wonderful moment where they save Rick Flagg because if Rick Flagg dies, we die. Harley Quinn saves him. She's like, thank. He's like, Rick Flagg's like, thanks. She's like, shut up. And you've really seen these characters bonding. Harley Quinn's hitting people with a bat. Big killer crocs just ripping these bobble head heads off. They're like humans with the bobble heads. Uh, Captain Boomerang's doing his thing, Katana. But it doesn't mean anything because these villains a faceless bobblehead, so that's a bit disappointing. Um, there's some great, there's a great action score. I think it's by, is it Stephen Price? I hope it's Stephen Price. Um, yeah, I think it's Stephen Price. And it's a really nice kind of action scene, the popcorn movie that we want to see. Um, but again, do we care enough about the villains? I'm not sure. Yeah, Stephen Price, I got it right, fantastic. Um, I'm not sure if we care enough about the villains and the stakes right now. Uh, we see Captain Boomerang wants the fight's over now. Have a great scene with Diablo saying, you're, you're a flyer bloke, mate. Australian accent, I can't do, I won't do one. Um, and he gets out his lighter and it's just brilliant. So the wonderful moments in this movie. So all the squad are great actors, great performances. And they have this wonderful interaction, but there's not enough of it. And this is when people say they they hate the movie. It's like, how can you? Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, Rick Flagg, giving Amanda Waller giving great performances. You can't hate it. It can't be a bad movie when you've got great performances and great scenes. Certain things around it you may not like or enjoy, but this is some fantastic stuff we're seeing. And that's why I don't get the hate. Um, so we go on uh, obviously Joker's not been around for a while um, and we're just kind of traipsing through the city so what they've been told is um, that they've got to rescue someone they've got to rescue someone that's what their mission is they need to they need to rescue someone and 
yeah, that that's what that's what they're trying to do. Uh, the Joker is still communicating with Quinn, saying, "I'm coming, I'm coming, coming." And then we've had a few fights. We're walking through Broken Down City. Then Harley Quinn smashes open a storefront and takes a handbag. Rather than just taking a handbag, uh, the direction is bend over as far as you can in front of the camera so we get a cracking ass shot. And it's a bit like, oh, what? This is it's unnecessary. And it's just really derogatory to this character. This character's got mental health issues. You've already had the shot of her stripping off or getting dressed and it's quite sexualized. Why are we doing this again? We don't have to do it. You just it doesn't add anything to the film. It's just a bit pervy. Um, so we go back to the witch. Uh, the witch is turning more people into head blobs. Anyway, we we find the building now where the person who they're trying to rescue is there. And there's a great lift with Harley Quinn, great scene with a lift in that Harley Quinn goes into a lift and fights off all these bad guys and the squad rush to help her and she's like, what? It's fine. Uh, yeah, again, so, some more interaction with, with the Suicide Squad. That's the things we like and and we enjoy. Um, so, yeah, we, we're in this building. Uh, we destroy a few people. Uh, Diablo and Deadshot have this scene. He's like, come on, you need to fix up. We need your help. So Diablo finally gets out his fire hands so he can shoot fire and he wipes out all these bobbleheads. And we get to see how how vicious he can be. We make our way up to the building. Harley Quinn has a flashback. Now, it's a really great flashback between Harley Quinn and the Joker. And it's we get to see him push her, well, not push her, but they kind of, he encourages her to jump into a bat of acid, similar to what, you know, he went through. And she jumps in and he goes to walk away, but can't because he loves her and jumps into the acid and jumps into the acid with her. And it's just two lovely shots of them swan diving in and his passion for her to rescue her. And it's just, it makes the Joker a little too human for me. And, you know, one of the reasons, um, for example, Deadshot is a part of the Suicide Squad is because he loves his daughter. And then if the Joker is vulnerable to love, that makes him less scary. No matter how you want to set him up as a mafia boss, him loving Harley Quinn is, yeah, I just, I don't buy it. Um, but it's nice and it's a beautiful scene. And I like the fact that they're trying to do something different from from the comic books. Um, there is a cool scene, actually, I should have told you about at the beginning. <laughs> Can you believe I missed something out the length I've been talking at the minute? Uh, there's a great scene between Harlequin and the Joker. And they're in a purple Lamborghini and they're on date night and the Batman comes and... Um, Harlequin's like, you're ruining date night and starts shooting at the bat and the Joker just drives him off into the sea and leaves Harley Quinn to drown and obviously Batman saves him. It's a great scene, but again, these it's all these great pictures and great scenes and great moments that, we, that we're enjoying, but there are some things that are just off. So if you're still listening, <laughs> it is some of the beautiful scenes that are really worth sticking with. And that's why this movie can't be terrible. Uh, and that's why I really like this movie. So we find out the person trying to save is Amanda Waller. Everyone's annoyed about it. Um, Amanda Waller kills loads of FBI agents. She's a hard ass, but I don't know why she has to kill the FBI agents. It's just like, even more so, even more so than you thought, she really is a hard ass. Watch her kill these people. A little bit. We don't. We could do with a bit of subtlety. Um, in a movie with a killer croc, I know. Um, so they go to the roof. They're um, they're upset that they've had to save Amanda Waller. And before they know it, a helicopter comes to help them. And it's the Joker. Joker's in there. He, he switches off um, Harley Quinn's neck bomb. And he she escapes into this um, helicopter with him. Amanda Waller's like, dead shot. Kill her for your freedom. Kill her for your daughter. And he doesn't. And that's confusing to me because Deadshot said he's an assassin. He's a paid assassin. He can have his freedom. He can be with a daughter. But he won't kill Harley Quinn. I'm glad he doesn't. 
Would his character? I'm not sure. Um, so the helicopter that Joke is in, Harley Quinn gets in, gets shot down by Waller. The Joker pushes Harley Quinn out. She lands on a roof. She's fine. Joker's helicopter crashes. That's pretty much the end of the Joker for the movie. And, you know, it's just another helicopter crash. Did we need it? I mean, probably not. What? I don't know. Um, so Amanda Waller's like, right, I'm off. She gets in another helicopter. <laughs> that crashes. So three helicopter crashes are on if you're keeping score at home. So the group are like, right, come on, we've got to go get Waller because if we don't, we're all dead. And the Amanda Waller had get kid gets kidnapped by these bobbleheads because the Entantress wants to see her to steal her information out of her head so she can destroy all the war, the missiles and all the war camps and all the secret stuff. I don't know. It's confusing why she wants her just to kill her. And when they go to find Waller, who's now missing, they find uh, Deadshot finds a secret file, knowing that, you know, actually this isn't a terrorist attack. This has always been a kind of non-Earth, non-human entity. And Rick Flagg's been lying to everyone, including his own soldiers and the Suicide Squad. Deadshot's right, I've had enough. How are we going to kill this alien? We don't have the manpower or the woman power. We don't have the power. We need a miracle. I'm going for a drink. Kill us if you want. All the Suicide Squad go, including Katana. And you know what? They have a drink at the bar and they get to relax. And again, this is the thing with this film. We don't get enough time to see the characters breathe and interact with each other. There's so much story we've got to tell that we just don't get these moments enough. And this, I can't say enough how much I enjoy this film. I enjoy the moments, but as a, as, a, as, a, as a complete film, it's not perfect and it could do, you know, with some different changes. I'm not saying that, you know, I could do it, but I would have said to myself writing the script, and I think David is great, you know, he wrote the script for Training Day, he directed Fury, if you've not seen those movies, watch those movies, he knows what he's doing I'm not sure if sometimes when you're making a big studio movie, there's too many cooks, too many people say, well, we need this, but we need that. But, you know, we could save that for a sequel or a, a third movie or a fourth movie. Cash, 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 money, money, money. Rah, 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 rah. So it's very odd. Anyway, um, the brilliant bar scene, we get to find more about the characters. And Rick comes, Rick Flagg comes in and is like, look, I'm sorry, he destroys the machine that, that would that would um, blow up our Suicide Squad. So he can't blow up their necks anymore. And he he gives Deadshot some, some letters from his daughter. And Deadshot's right, let's, you know, let's look, let's go and save the world. But you tell my daughter that, you know, I wasn't just a, a murderer. So the whole Suicide Squad get together. Harley Quinn's like, come on, have we got anything better to do? And she just, moments like that, moments of just pure Harley Quinn and Deadshot and Captain Boomerang and Killer Croc and there's just, there's just not enough of these moments. Uh, this is where it gets a bit silly. So it's the final act, the final scenes, they're going to kill uh, Entantris. She's doing some weird hip belly dancing while this kind of thing in the sky is being built, this machine. Uh, her brother, who's now like 15 foot kind of alien man thing, is, you know, he's he's going to cause some damage. So Diablo says, right, I'll fire this guy up with my fire. Then he turns into this like 15 foot fire god and they wrestle. Um, Killer Croc is helping the Marines in the sewer to blow up um, this certain spot. And they kill the brother. You don't really know or care why because there's not enough stakes. And then uh, Entantris, who has this power and ability to do what she wants, decides to have a hand-to-hand fight combat with the Suicide Squad, which doesn't make any sense because she's a witch. She can do anything. Why is she going to have a fist fight? She has a fist fight. It's all rainy. It's all misty. You can't really see what's going on. Again, there aren't enough stakes. 
there aren't enough reasons to keep you interested or watching. You just want to, you want to see something different. This isn't the movie you paid to see. This is just generic superhero movie now, uh, unfortunately. Um, they have a battle. There's just no stakes. She's trying to build this machine that will destroy the arms and satellites and other machinery. It's all a bit weird. Um, anyway, um, she shows the Suicide Squads their fantasies. She says, look, join me and you'll all get what you want. Deadshot wants to be with his family, his daughter, and the bat to be dead. Harley Quinn wants a normal life with the Joker. So it would just be Harley, Harleen Quinzel and Jack Napier. And they wouldn't be the Joker and Harley Quinn and they'd have children. And, and Rick Flagg just, you know wants to be um wants to be with the doctor with dr jane but it doesn't this is the thing that's a little bit uneven it doesn't show you what croc's fantasy would be um it doesn't show you what boomerang's fantasy would be um so there's a, again a bit of a strange editing there it's it, it's saying look this is harley quinn's fantasy this is deadshot's fantasy this is Diablo's fantasy. We're not going to show you Killer Croc or Captain Boomerang's fantasy. And rather than feel, oh, I see what they've done now, it's just like, it's a bit uneven and it's a bit odd. Um, so Harley Quinn is saying, you know what, I'll come and join you. It's a double bluff. Um, she cuts open the Entantress, grabs her heart out, and for some reason they chuck C4 into the machine and blow that up and everything's fine. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a generic ending that we didn't necessarily need. Uh, so you think it's an ending. So the brother's been killed, you thought that was the end. The Tantra's been killed, you thought so that's the end. Then Amanda Waller, who is remarkless, remarkable, I can't say it. Remarkable. Who is somehow <laughs> miraculously, yes, um, still alive? Uh, and she's like, "Look, you get time off your prison sentence." Deadshot's like, "I want to see my daughter." Harley Quinn's like, "I want an expression machine." Doesn't tell you what Captain Boomerang wants. Killer Croc wants DET. Uh, doesn't say what Captain Boomerang wants. So again, a bit uneven. What is going on? What? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that's fine and. That's pretty much the end of the movie. Um, we see Deadshot get to see his daughter. We see Killer Croc enjoying TV and his couch. And we see Harley Quinn uh, having an espresso. We see Captain Boomerang get nothing. It's very odd. And then the the last shot of our movie is Harley Quinn in a scene. And there's a breaking and gunfire. And alas, there's a Joker to break her out. Um, and then we've got a post-credit scene, which is odd because DC haven't done this usually. Um, didn't do it for Batman vs Superman. Uh, but they have a mid-card scene where Bruce Wayne talks to Amanda Waller and says, give me a file on the metahumans. She does. And she's like, look, shut down your project. I've got my own project coming. And then, what is it? Amanda Waller says, you look tired, Bruce. You should start working nights. So another person knows who Batman is, and that really upsets me because Superman knows who Batman is now, even though he's apparently dead. Lex Luthor know who's, knows who Batman is. Amanda Wall knows who. Does he? What is the point in a secret identity if it's not secret? Anyway, uh, if you're still listening, thank you. If you switched off, I understand. I think this is a really good movie, full of some great moments. I think David is a great director. It's beautifully shot at times. It's just some of the editing's a bit uneven and there's not enough character development or a fleshing out that they probably could have done with the Marvel attitude of, let's do solo movies, let's get our characters together um, once, we've, once we've got all the backstory out. And all these characters could have had, but I'd see a Captain Boomerang film. Is it going to make 800 million? No, but it would do well. Throwing Batman, throwing a couple of cameos, Build the universe together. Uh, I think David Ayer's done a great job. I think the cast have done a great job. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, lots of people have gone to see it. I'm happy about that. Um, 
go and see it. Let me know what you think. If you disagree with anything I've had to say, if you hated it, let us know. Let us know on Twitter, at 5 Reasons to Watch. Send us an email. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud, uh, at 5 Reasons to Watch. Um, or 5 Reasons to Watch on SoundCloud. Um, 5 Reasons to Watch at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let me know what you think. Uh, but please give it a chance to go and see it. If you didn't like it first time, watch it a second time. Um, I think you'll like it better second time I did. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again. Bye.